Uh, good morning, church. Thank you, Pastor Cindy and uh, Josh, for that very honoring uh, video. It's very impressive. Thank you so much for doing that. So <clears throat> let's talk about the elephant in the room. So you want to know why I'm wearing the boot? Yeah. Well, 10 months of tendonitis will do that. Yeah, just Achilles heel, tendon just kept growing, more painful, more painful. Did therapy, did ultrasounds, eventually bit the bullet, went, saw the doc. So she has uh, sentenced me to 30 days in the boot. <laughs> so... Right now, there's a smell of smoke. If you didn't get that sermon, then you wouldn't have understood that. So for 10 months, I've been believing, and now I'm smelling smoke. You know what I'm saying? All right. But, uh, you know, uh, don't feel sorry for me just because I got the boot. I can still... Color coordinate, and that's the most important thing. <laughs> All right, guys, let's get to the word this morning. Holy Spirit, I believe that you want to speak to people here and those watching and those listening. There's something special that you want them to do, and I believe that you're going to speak to their hearts today and motivate them to do it in Jesus' name. When I say carpe diem, what do you think of? What's Seize the day. Carpe diem, seize the day. You know, when my mom died um, unexpectedly at the age of 54, and then Jackie's mom died unexpectedly at the age of 57, very young, it actually changed my perspective and my outlook on life dramatically. I've always known this, but it's like the rooster that came home to roost. I realized that we live one heartbeat away from eternity. Both of them died of heart attacks. One heartbeat, in other words, one breath, one breath away from eternity. Now, as you know, um, Jackie and I love to talk about our past, more me than her. And uh, so last week we were talking about some of the exciting things that we've done. And we realized while talking that we actually have no regrets about the moments that we took to make memories. And you know, when our children were young, and uh, even when they were at high school, um, we, well, Jackie, insisted that Saturday was family day. So the kids were allowed to bring friends with them, but our kids were not permitted to go away and do something else on Saturday. It was family day, we work all week, work Sunday, we're going to spend time together. She insisted on doing that. So we took a lot of family vacations and a lot of days away and so on. So I'm going to bore you with some family photos now. Can we have the light down? Some of the exciting things that we did with our family, um, just to make it interesting for the children and so on and so forth. All right, let's go. First one. We went skiing with the kids. We loved skiing. Next one. We went whitewater rapiding, Colorado River. When we lived in South Africa, we took a trip to Zimbabwe. Next one. We lived uh, in a treehouse. And I would have liked to show you the picture with the monkeys all over the place. For our birthday, we took a hot balloon ride. Even though Hayne had uh, injured his foot playing 
football. There we did some really exciting things. Uh, we went to the Olympic Games in Atlanta in 1996. Uh, one of our heart's desires, our dreams. We also went to Israel and we swam in the Dead Sea or the Red Sea. Crazy experience floating around. Uh, you can't sink in that sea, it's crazy. Uh, we also took time to have date nights. And so we would go out to dinner, and if the music played right, we would just jump up and start dancing in the middle of the restaurant. We did not care about anybody else. This was our time, and that's what we did. So little did we know that our life was going to change dramatically one terrible day. It would come to a screeching halt when Jackie had a stroke. And now I never leave home, even if it's for 20 minutes, without us saying kind, loving words to each other, without Jackie praying a little prayer over me, saying the angels go with you and bring you back safely, and your car is safe, and then she prays for all the things I'm going to do, and she prays that they will go smoothly. She prays that the sushi order will be right when I get there. <laughs> How many know what I'm talking about? Amen. You've got to have somebody praying for you to do that. So <clears throat> we've learned that we have no idea what the next hour holds. And so what we do is we make sure that going into that next hour, all is well between us. But after having had the stroke, we still made lemonade from lemons. So these are some of the pictures that we want to show you of things that we did post-stroke. On my 50th birthday, we took a world trip around, uh, completely around the world flying around the world, and we finished off on the Concorde. Next picture. Uh, just before the Concorde, uh, you know, was disbanded, we flew from London to New York. I don't know why people raved about it. It was terrible. <laughs> it was noisy. It was cramped. It was, service was bad. And uh, after four and a half hours, I was in New York, and I was completely upside down. My brain didn't know where I was. Freaked out. Okay, but nevertheless... <laughs> We traveled up the main canal of Venice um, on a cruise ship. Uh, we went to China, and Jackie walked on the, the wall of China, the Great Walk. That's her. You can't recognize her in a disguise. Freezing cold in the front there. Um, we also went to Bora Bora. You know, might know Tahiti, where the famous huts on the water. We swam there, had a wonderful time. We went also to the dolphins, and I took Jackie to swim with the dolphins. This is post-stroke. She got in the water, held onto that dolphin with one hand, and the dolphin took her across the pool. <clears throat> if that's a little too expensive for you, try Yosemite. We went all the way up to Yosemite. We saw the great, beautiful parts of uh, California. We went through giant redwoods. This was shocking to me. I drove my car through that tree. You probably have all done it when you've been up there. And then on your way, you've got to stop at the Grand Canyon. There's uh, great wonders of the world that are available for you very, very close. And then, you know, we love to do sunset dinners. And right here in Oceanside Harbor, you can go to the Harbor Restaurant and you can sit there and watch the sunset and have a wonderful time together. And, you know, on our 45th anniversary, just before the weekend, um, I uh, took Jackie to the Grand, not touring Grand, to the Grand, and we went to Arthur Murray's studio, which no longer exists, and I asked the owner if I could have a little shuffle with her on the dance floor. So we rolled in there with a the wheelchair, got her up, did the shuffle, put in the wheelchair, 
and walked her out while everybody else stared at us in amazement. But if all of that is too expensive for you, what about just going to Starbucks? How cool is she? Come on, tell me how cool she is. Jackie says, the past is gone. There's nothing we can do about it. The only thing we have is today. And we need to enjoy our today and make memories so that our future and our memories will be fabulous. Will be fabulous. I'm trying to explain to you the value of time. We're talking about seizing the day. Um, you know that the only time that you have control over is right here, right now. The thoughts you're thinking, the words that you say, the love you're showing is controlled right now by you. Nobody else controls it. It's your time. So what is time? Well, is it something we don't have much of when we're running for a plane to catch a flight? Uh, is time something we frantically try to save so we can waste? Isn't that crazy? Time is not just a time to be born and a time to die. Time is life. That's who you are. And we measure time in minutes, in hours, in calendars, days and years. But uh, it seems as though time controls us. Tells us when to go to bed, when to get up, when to go to work, when to stop working, when to go home. How do we tell time? We tell time with candles on the cake, with calendars with uh, celebrations, Christmas and New Year. We remember time by photo albums, antique, um, antiques, weddings, college hats, yearbooks, letters at the bottom of your drawer. Many people try to kill time or beat time or waste time. But sadly to say, some even try to turn back time. But eventually, we'll all run out of time. It's irreversible, irreplaceable. Once spent, it can, it's gone forever. To waste time is to waste your life. To master time is to master your life. Stephen Grelitz said this, I expect to pass through this world but once. Any good thing, therefore, that I can do or any kindness I can show to any fellow human being, let me do it now. Let me not defer nor neglect it, for I shall not pass this way again. The Bible gives us the importance of time. In these scriptures, in Ephesians chapter 5, out of an amplified enough paraphrase, it says, live purposely and prudently, making the very most of the time, buying up each opportunity. And then Colossians says this, Behave yourself wisely, making the very most of the time and seizing the opportunity. The present time is the only time that you can be sure of. Because tomorrow is a dream. It's a hope. Tomorrow may never come. What you do today will affect your tomorrows. In other words, your future depends upon what you do right now.
today. Years ago, a corps of civil engineers went to Pennsylvania to Johnstown, and they went up into the mountains to examine the dam that was up there. Johnstown is in the valley. They went up to examine uh, the condition of the dam, and they came down and they said, this dam could break any day. Uh, we highly recommend that you abandon this town and move out. And the people laughed at them and said, we've heard that for years, you can't scare us. Well, they came back a few months later, examined the dam again, came down with the same story. They said, listen, listen carefully to us. This dam has got weaker since we were here last. It could go any day. And once again, they said, scare us if you can. They came back a third time in the same year, and they said it's now in a critical condition. We're telling you, you must move. Get out of this town. Get out of here. And once more, they just laughed them off. They said, we've been hearing this for years. Fifteen days later, a young man came running down, riding down on his horse in full gallop, screaming, the dam has broken, run for your life. And the people just laughed at him. There was this kid. They just laughed at him. But he didn't wait to hear what they had to say. He kept running, screaming his warning. That day, millions and millions and millions of gallons of water drowned and killed 3,700 people of Johnstown. What am I telling you is delay can be fatal. What has God been telling you that you need to do and that you haven't done? Remember what happened to Israel. Their delay became disobedience. God told them to go across Jordan into the promised land, and they delayed, and they said, no, we're not going to go. When Moses then said, okay, turn around and head back to the desert, now they changed their mind, and they decided, no, they're going to go back. They're going to try and conquer Canaan's land by themselves. They found out God's presence wasn't with them, and they went into the desert. Their disobedience, their delay, cost the lives of a whole generation of 40 for 40 years, everybody went into the desert and died. An entire generation. Everybody say carpe diem. Say seize the day. I want to talk a little bit about Hain. I often talk about Cindy. I don't talk too much about Hain. So you're relieved. <laughs> okay. Hain worked on the ships for 13 years doing art auctions and selling jewelry and different things like that. One day he was standing on the, the upper deck looking out over the ocean and he wondered to himself, what would I ever do if I got off ships? If I ever got off ships. He had no idea what to do. Now he had bought a little home in Temecula, a little investment home that he remodeled by himself without any experience. He just decided he'd fix up and do what he could. Then he came off ships, married Anya. We moved from Temecula down here, and Hain and Anya moved down and bought a little home 0.7 miles from us. For the next four months, Hain remodeled that home, tore down the insides completely, again without any experience. He got a little help from a plumber and a little help from an electrician to help him with the remodeling work. This whole time, they were praying they were standing by faith, they were meditating in the scriptures, they were confessing the scriptures, and they were tithing and believing God for their life. Well, he was struggling to find a good job. 
and he had multiple jobs during this time. He ended up working uh, with Craig at the back there for Jenks, $12 an hour, if I remember correctly, $12 an hour. He was there for three years, working on construction, remodeling homes. It was his passion. He wanted to do the remodeling of homes, but he didn't have any knowledge. So he was learning on the job. And then after three years, he actually got his license, which was a finished carpenter's license. And uh, he decided he'd go out on his own, taking side jobs and everything else, found out that the handyman work doesn't pay well. And uh, so he was struggling with that. He then put his house that he had remodeled on the market. Pastor Andrew Thorne, who's a realtor and missing the story today. Oh, where is he? Oh, with a baby. Good job there, Drew. All right. Put the house on the market with Andrew, believed God for a certain price, continued to meditate the words, speak the scriptures out, tithe and pray. And they got their price. But because he had been in his own business for too short a period of time, he didn't qualify for a new loan. So they moved in with us again. That's why you need to have a big home, parents, because your kids are like on a yo-yo. The string just keeps coming back. Well, after eight months of living with us and praying and seeking God, they had decided and felt that they were going to move to Texas. So when they sold their home, made a beautiful profit on it, they once again tithed off the sale of their home. One year later, after being in San Antonio, they own a beautiful brand new home. Hain runs his own business and is doing a phenomenal job. He even has people waiting uh, for his for him to, to, you know, the contracts to come around. So he remodels interior of homes. He's pretty much self-taught. And I want to brag a little bit about him. So I'm going to start with showing you what he usually does is kitchens. That's his forte. Remember the lights down, please? Let's have a look at some of the kitchens that he's done. Completely remodel. You understand, completely remodel. Do it. Let's show us another one. Beautiful kitchens. One more. All three different kitchens that he's done. Apart from doing kitchens, he also does other remodeling, for example, bathrooms. I think I have a bathroom slide. He remodeled that. Hain is very artistic, and so he will uh, do different designs for people as well. I'm going to show you one of the designs. It's a whole wall that he did uh, design it, but I think this next one is my favorite. This is remarkable. All of that woodwork he did, painting and everything else that he did. Haynes says that it is through prayer, through faith, through tithing, dedication, and persistence that he has achieved this. What I want to say this is this, that Hain looked to the future with hope and faith. And then he committed himself to take control of his time and his life. He paid the price, walked by faith, but he seized the day and the moment in order to have the desired future that he wanted. Why don't you search your heart and say, God, what is it that's my passion? What is it that I want to fulfill? Seize the day, seize the moment, and decide to pursue that through prayer, meditation in Scripture, through faith, through tithing, and then pay the price of persistence and ask God to help you.
It's the most fulfilling and exciting way to live. Mr. Mentu has a comrade. His name is Didn't Do. Have you ever had a chance to meet them? Have they ever called on you? And these two guys live together in a house of never win. And I'm told it's haunted by a ghost of what might have been. Postponing a lifetime dream will result in reoccurring nightmares of what could have been, what might have been. You see, when Jackie and I reminisce and talk, look back at the photos, I have 4,500 photos on a screen in, my, in our bedroom that runs like this. When I put it on, just runs. Because I'm fanatical about my life and my family's life and where we've been, what we've done. And so I used to ski with cameras on me everywhere. I mean, I was more cameras than other gear on me, taking pictures. No matter where we went, I took pictures because I said, one day I will look back and see where I've been. And today, as we look back again, we're happy. We're excited. There's no sadness about where we've been. See, Proverbs 13, 12 says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Don't react to your tomorrows when they become your todays. Let your action today create the tomorrow that you desire to live in. Procrastination is the inability to decide. And decision precedes all action. And without action, failure is assured. If you do not act and if you do not decide, you're a failure looking for a place to happen. See, procrastination, by definition, is actually deferring or postponing an action designed to cause delay. So procrastination really is the enemy of carpe diem. Carpe diem sees the day. Procrastination is, I can do it tomorrow. Now when you look ahead, or when you're faced with a task that is overwhelming, and you feel like I can never get this task done. I want you to remember the words of Leo Tsi, who said, the journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. You see, <clears throat> one step in the right direction is worth more than a thousand steps in any direction. And that's not always the speed that you travel in, that you're traveling at, but it is the direction that you're traveling at. You know, God is a God of the now. And he said this in 2 Corinthians 6, 2. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. A man got saved in, in our church in Valcom. It was a Sunday. He got saved Sunday night. 
And it just so happened that on Monday, we started our three-day membership. Every month, we had membership class. We ran about 100 to 200 people every month joining the church because we were having 50 to 75 salvations every Sunday. So he came to the membership class, reconfirmed salvation on Monday night. Tuesday night, we did water baptism for everybody, all the new converts. Um, and then Wednesday was the last day. Well, he didn't come back for the last day, and we were concerned. I don't know what, why he would do that, why he didn't come back. Come to find out, he died Tuesday night after he left church from a heart attack. But guess where he went? He went to heaven, right? There was a couple that came to our church a few times. The wife accepted Jesus as her Lord and Savior, but the husband did not. Then she asked if, we were, if they could host a life group in their home. I was surprised because the husband was not a Christian. And so we launched the life group in the home. It didn't last a couple of weeks until he slammed his foot down and said, no, I forbid it, stop it. Two weeks later, they were involved in a motorbike accident. He was driving. He was killed instantly. She went into a coma and was paralyzed. Went into the hospital, couldn't speak. We had a healing ministry team of 23 people that would visit the hospitals and pray for the sick. Pastor Sue Aid, working with us, went to visit, and she came across this lady. She's in her mid-30s, and she prayed, laid hands on this lady. She's in a coma. And the next day, she went to visit and found her sitting up in bed talking to her friends and her family. I've got two stories confused here. Let me back up a little bit. Let me finish this story because it's not the same woman. Okay. She went to this lady that was in coma, but it wasn't the lady from the accident. Okay, that's a different story. Okay, so let me just finish this second story that I've started. <laughs> she went to visit. She said to this lady, this is what happened. We prayed for you, and you miraculously healed. You need to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And this young woman in her mid-30s said, Thank you so much for praying for me. But she said, no, I'm too young. I don't need to Jesus right now. I've got plenty of uh, life ahead of me. And she died the next 12 hours. Okay. That was the second lady. The first lady who went to Tacoma after the motorbike accident, our healing team went to visit with her. And they played her messages that I had preached. Those days it was the cassette tape. And they played her messages. And she cried out of the one... Tear, one eye, she cried. And she only lived a week and she passed away. The point is that I'm making here is two people who procrastinated, who delayed, who put off, who were given opportunities. Listen, they were given the opportunity to find Jesus and they rejected. Now, I have a poem that I always read uh, when we do funeral services, passing of a loved one. It's called, Don't Wait a Minute, Do It Now. It goes like this. If you have hard work to do, do it now. Today the skies are clear and blue. Tomorrow clouds may come in view. Yesterday is not for you. Do it now. If you have a song to sing, sing it now. Let the notes of gladness ring, clear as songs of birds in spring. Let each day some music bring, sing it now. If you have kind words to say, say them now. Tomorrow may not come your way to do a kindness while you may. Loved ones will not always stay. Say them now. If you have a smile to show, show it now. 
Make hearts happy and roses grow. Let the friends around you know the love you have before they go. Show it now. Don't wait a minute. Do it now. See, I'll try is an excuse not to. Perhaps means I haven't decided. If only means I'm looking for an excuse. I probably will means I probably won't. I think means I don't know. A pastor wanted to preach on the scripture that I've just quoted. Today is the accepted time of the Lord. Behold, now is the day of salvation. And while he was sitting at his desk on Saturday evening, praying and, and thinking about this, he fell asleep. And he, fell, he went into a dream. And he dreamt that he was in hell, surrounded by demon spirits. And these demon spirits were discussing what they should do in order to take men's souls captive. So the first demon spirit said, I will go and I will tell them the Bible is not true. I will tell them there's no heaven, there's no hell. And they go, no, 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 that's not going to work. Um, so the next one said, well, I'll go and tell them that there's no Savior, that Jesus isn't the Savior, He isn't the Christ, and that men should not believe. He said, no, we, we, we can't get men to believe that either. And the, last one, the third one said, you know what I'll do? He said, I'll go and I'll tell them the Bible's true. There is a heaven and there is a hell. And Jesus is the Savior. He is the Son of God. But there's no need to worry. You've got plenty of time. They said, we'll send you. You go. Perhaps you should close your eyes at this point. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you today? Mend the broken relationship that you've been sitting on for so long? Maybe make time for each other, your spouse? Maybe make time for your children? Maybe take the first step in following your dream. Or perhaps it's about your eternity. Perhaps today is the day God chose to speak to you about making a decision for Christ or coming back to God. Decision that you've put off. You've grown cold at heart. Would you make that decision today? Carpe diem. Seize the moment. Remember, right now, right here, is the only time you have control over. Even at the Promised Church, we've had people who sat in the VIP room on Sunday and were dead by Wednesday. We've had people who sat in the back row on Sunday and were dead the next Saturday. All I can say is thank God both those people knew Jesus.
We've had people in this church love God in their 50s and drop dead on the street while they were walking. Apparently no reason. All of those people are in heaven right now. Dear friend, listen to me. And those who are watching online, listen to me. It's a very, very solemn moment. Even though it's an encouraging moment because you can change your future by changing your today. But if you have not yet put your trust in Jesus Christ for your salvation, your eternity depends upon it. And I'm appealing to you by the power of the Holy Spirit this morning to make that decision. Would you seize the day and come to Jesus and give Him your life right now? While I'm looking across the congregation, is there anybody here today who has not yet received Jesus or anybody here who's drifted from God would like to come back today? Raise your hand right now. This is your moment. This is your moment. I'm going to pray for you. While every head is bowed, every eye is closed. Raise your hand right now. If this is, your, if this is God talking to you to come to Jesus. This is your come to Jesus moment right now. I'm going to count to three, and then I'm going to close the service. If you haven't raised your hand, we're going to move on. One, two, three. All right, look up at me. I have to assume then that everybody in this house right now in front of me is born again and love Jesus. Would you raise your hand if that's true? Let's give the Lord praise. Come on. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Then take this message to heart and do that that you've been sitting on. Make the changes that need to be made. Make the decision and move ahead and do it. Seize the moment. But if you've been watching online, and you haven't made the decision, then perhaps it was for you. Do it in Jesus' name. Receive Him as Lord and Savior. Amen. All right. Praise the Lord. Well, we had a good prayer meeting ahead of time. It's all been done, but if you still need prayer, we'll be happy to pray for you. So we'll have the prayer team come up, the ministry team come up. If you need prayer for something else, uh, we'll be happy to minister to you um, and bless you. Have a good, good week in Jesus' name. Bible College, if there was anybody, maybe Seize the Day was for you. Maybe Carpe Diem was for you. Come down and uh, see the... Are we going to be praying for you? You want to pray for her now first? Okay. Okay. We'll give them maximum time. Let them wait. Everybody on your feet, if you need prayer for any reason, come on down. And then we're going to pray for... Our dear friends, as we depart. Anybody coming down for prayer? This is the time. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come on down. Thank you, Lord. All right. All prayed up? All prayed out? All right. Praise the Lord. Okay, we're going to dismiss you now. And if there's still people who want prayer, come on down. And we're going to pray for you guys. God bless you. Have a good week.